Welcome on in to Cat's Corner Podcast. This is episode six. We took a few weeks break, but now we're back and bring you all the hot takes from a daily Northwestern. My name is Max Gelman. Joining me in the podcast booth today are Bobby Pilati and Max Schumann. How's it going, guys? Going great. It's doing pretty well. Yeah, I'd say we're doing about as well as Northwestern did against Michigan State. Um, Northwestern uh, rolling into East Lansing over the weekend and really dominating the Spartans. Uh, pretty much throughout the game, uh, fifty-four to forty win. Uh, numerous career highs set across the board on offense. Um, Austin Carr had another tu- uh, two touchdowns this week. Justin Jackson had one hundred eighty-eight rushing yards. Clayton Thorson finally looks like the quarterback that everyone dreamed he would be. Um, just what what were your guys' main takeaways from this offensive performance? Yeah. Um, so one thing I'm I'm going to point out to start off is that uh, Austin Carr is now the leading receiver in the Big Ten in receptions, yardage, and touchdowns. Justin Jackson, the leading running back in the Big Ten in carries and yardage. So uh, certainly a great time to be a Cats fan. And, uh, you know, what I saw on Saturday is, I think, really a great game out of Clayton. Um, And I think the biggest spot that he improved is that in the past, you know, Clayton has been uh, pretty skittish back in the pocket. You know, he has legs, he can run, um, but he really would start to scramble around on a play um, before he had to, before the pocket really broke down. And what I saw from him on Saturday is that he was much more willing to hang in there and uh, make a tough throw. And there were a couple times where, you know, pressure was coming, he got the ball out and took a big hit afterwards, um, but it led to a good downfield completion for the Cats. So I think that is really definitely the biggest spot of his game that's improved, is being able to sense that pressure and uh, hang in there, make a good throw. I want to also point out and give some credit to Mick McCall. He uh, took a lot of criticism. Last year, probably a lot of it was deserved. Um, Just the way that he mixed up play calling, the way that the passing offense worked, um, but it felt like, and I think a lot of Thorson's improvement can also be pointed to the fact that guys were open, um, and it seemed like he knew where he should go with the ball. And I think part of that should be attributed to McCall, and I think he called a really good game against Michigan State, and 54 points is not a lot to complain about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this uh, Thorson-Carr bromance seems to have really been the identity of the offense this season. Of course, Justin Jackson is still doing his thing with a bit of a shaky offensive line play, but uh, I don't know, aside from like anyone on the team, that anyone outside, on the outside, could have expected Austin Carr to step up like this and lead the Big Ten in all these categories. No, it is pretty remarkable. And uh, you know, you ask Clayton, you ask Austin what it is, and it, they'll just tell you it's really the connection that, that they have, the rapport. Uh, and I think sometimes it's easy from the outside to kind of understate the, uh, the importance of getting in a, a lot of practice reps between two guys. But really, you hear it all the time in football that um, you know, a, a quarterback and a receiver pair just practice over and over and over again to the point that, you know, they're tossing uh, roots to each other in the dark. Um, and I feel like that's really the timing that, that Clayton has with Austin now. Um, you know, they love to run that kind of medium out um, eight, nine yards down the field to Austin. And uh, Clayton is so good at putting that ball right on the sideline, right where his guy can get it, and the cornerback can't. Um, so I think that's really what, what's clicking for them. And, you know, it's just trust, too. Um, Clayton is not afraid to throw it up to Austin because he knows that his guy can make a play. And uh, I think you're seeing that increased confidence pay dividends for Clayton. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Austin Carr is that he's not the biggest or strongest or necessarily fastest receiver that you've ever seen, and definitely not the biggest, strongest, fastest receiver in the Big Ten. But it feels like he always is in the right spot, and he I can't think of a drop that he's had all year. Um, it seems like he always comes up with a catch, and it's easy for Thorson to trust a guy like that when almost every time he throws the ball to him, it comes up 
that's a positive play for Northwestern. Yeah, Austin Carr has had at least five catches in every game. He scored a touchdown in five straight games, and he has at least 73 yards in each of the six games. So very, very um, good resume for Carr this year, especially with the uh, poor play of the receivers last year when Dan Vitale was the leading receiver for 355 yards. Austin Carr so far this year has 595 yards, so that's already 240 more yards than Vitaly last year with still six games left to go in the season. But it's not just Carr that's been good for the Wildcats in terms of receiving. Like, Flynn Nagel has stepped up. Uh, Solomon Vault um, has been a little bit quieter than some people probably expected in the receiving game. He still had that uh, kickoff return for touchdown. And... Uh, and Macon Wilson has also been pretty present in the receiving game. So, like, it's not just Thorson that's... Or it's not just Carr that's been stepping up. It's Thorson really, like, spreading the ball around. Yeah, I mean, they turned over basically the entire receiving core from last season, and pretty much every guy who's been in there this year has impressed me. Um, it just seems like as a group they're able to get open a lot better than the whole... Basically, the whole receiving core was able to do last year, and that's obviously a big difference. It gives Thorson somewhere to look. When, uh, when he's feeling pressure, and it just makes the offense move a lot more smoothly. Yeah, Carr's definitely stepped up his game, but I think there is a lot more talent in this group uh, this year compared to last year. Uh, Flynn Nagel is a guy I'm really excited about in the future. Um, you know, he's, he's their punt returner, and you know from a guy that's returning punts, uh, he, one, knows how to hold on to the ball, and two, he's not afraid to take a hit. Um, I think that really translates well into his receiving game, and uh, we saw on Saturday he scored his first career touchdown, um, so hopefully a lot more coming in the future for Flynn. And I'm pretty sure this is true, but I'm just double-checking the stats here. But I think uh, Thorson already has more touchdown passes this year than he did last year. Uh, he, right now, this season, he has 11, whereas uh, last year, Thorson offensively uh, threw for seven touchdowns. So he's already he surpassed it, his total from last year in the fifth game and added three more against Michigan State. Um, this weekend, um, I want to turn now to a little bit more of a uh, bit of a negative from the Michigan State win. There were just so many positives on the offense that it almost overlooks what went wrong. Although Coach Fitzgerald sort of touched on this at the press conference after the game on Saturday, is that uh, Northwestern secondary is really really struggling right now. Um, they they haven't had Matthew Harris since week two. Um, the loss of uh, Travion Henry and Nick Van Hoos seem to be really hurting the Cats from a uh, <clears throat> from like a yardage standpoint. Uh, Kyle Cairo was out for a little bit. Um, the only like true rock in the secondary right now is uh, Godwin. Yeah, so I think what's happening on the back end of that secondary is with so many new guys in the lineup, inexperienced guys in the lineup, um, that they're probably not communicating as well as they should be. Um, you know, the Northwestern's defense is typically pretty conservative. Uh, defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz doesn't call a lot of blitzes, and they usually play uh, four guys back in deep coverage. So, you know, the cornerbacks are out on the, the outside receivers, and they have help over the top with the safeties. But I think what we saw uh, against Michigan State is that instead of kind of having that sort of double coverage deep, uh, is that uh, Michigan State receivers got one-on-one -on -one with uh, a single Cats defensive back uh, down the field, and that left them in a lot of uh, vulnerable spots. I mean, we saw even Godwin, uh, you know, gave up a long touchdown. Granted, it was kind of an, on an odd monkey tip, but it was just him all alone with the Michigan State receiver back there. 
Um, and, you know, that's not a position Northwestern likes to be in. That always kind of leaves you to the danger of, right, an unlucky tip ball like that. Um, so it looks to me like they need to shore up just kind of communicating and, and making sure that all of those guys um, are where they're supposed to be on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a surprise given all the new faces. Um, I would say that it's definitely a point for improvement going forward. Um, but something maybe more on a positive note, and this is something that happens a lot in college football, is when you have an inexperienced unit for one year and a bunch of young guys have to play for whatever reason, for injuries or whatever, um, the next year those guys are experienced. So Northwestern's taking some lumps right now um, in the secondary, but hopefully going forward that'll be more of a solid position for them. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, Keith, Wa- Keith Watkins has also been out for the season with a knee injury. Um, so that's yet another loss. So it's been pretty much Montre Hardage and Trey Williams on the outside. Uh, Alonzo Mayo has been getting some reps as well. Uh, Northwestern, they haven't officially confirmed this, but it appears they have moved Marcus McShepard and Stephen Reese back to defensive back. They had moved them to wide receiver uh, last winter to try and shore up that depth, but now... The receivers are just so good that, like... Yeah, it's it's telling, too, that Stephen Reese did make the trip to uh, to Michigan State. So, I you know, I wasn't paying close attention to how much he was actually in the game, right? But for road games, you only bring 75 guys. So, uh, clearly, if they brought him, they needed him for the depth, and it probably wasn't for receiver, so... Yeah, and, um, yeah, Coach Fitzgerald was very unhappy with his secondary play after... After Saturday's win, um, you always tend to see a bit of more, like, upset Fitzgerald after wins <laughs> because, like, he knows he can be upset. Um, whereas af- after a loss, he has to be, like, calm and collected. Um, but, yeah, uh, going forward, Northwestern will be playing Indiana this weekend, 11 a.m. kickoff. It'll be their homecoming game. Uh, at Monday's, or at yesterday's press conference, uh, Fitzgerald talked about how he was excited it would be the 20th uh, 20th anniversary or 20th year reunion for the 1996 team, of which he was team captain and won, I believe he won the Best Linebacker in America Award. I don't remember what the name was. But I believe that's the Nagurski Award. The Nagurski, yeah. So, very high hopes for Fitz. Uh, Indiana, they're a team that had a very high-powered offense last season, uh, but their defense gave up like 400, 500 yards a game. Uh, that hasn't really been the case so far this year. Indiana, much improved on defense. I believe they have a new defensive coordinator this year in his first season who's really turned things around. Um, but what do you think are going to be the biggest keys to the game here? Yeah, I mean, I think Clayton Thorson just has to keep it rolling. Um, you know, Indiana's defense is improved this year, but uh, they only had room to go up. So I, I still think it's not an elite defense. I still think this will be kind of a high-scoring shootout, um, especially given the condition of Northwestern's defense right now. Um, so I think Thorson has to remain sharp and deliver an, uh, another good performance if the Cats want to win. Yeah, Indiana has been sneaky good this year, I would say, um, out of the Big Ten East. And I mean, they pulled off a win against Michigan State in overtime. Obviously, it doesn't look as good now as it did in the past. But they also played Nebraska close on the road last week. Um, I mean, they're just a it's kind of a tough matchup and. A little bit of a trap game after Northwestern, two big wins in a row where the offense has really shined, could be a bit of a challenge for them this week. And, you know, not only could this be like a like a trap game for Northwestern, but it's also their third homecoming game in a row. This time it's their own homecoming, whereas 
a couple weeks ago against Iowa. They spoiled their homecoming last Saturday. They spoiled Michigan State's homecoming. Fortunately, uh, in two weeks, they won't be playing on Ohio State's homecoming. Ohio State already had their homecoming Fortunately. earlier in October. Uh, but that'll be a fun game for a uh, little bit of revenge from the, the game day. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, keeping the focus on this week, uh, I think this is a pretty big game for the Cats looking at their remaining schedule. I mean, of course, you want to win your homecoming game. But uh, they're still trying to get to six wins, still trying to make a bowl game. And, uh, you know, Purdue and Illinois on the schedule are looking pretty good. That gets you to five wins. Um, and, you know, picking up this win uh, this week, I think, would would put the Cats in a good position. Uh, if they don't win this week, then you're looking at beating one of Ohio State or Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, Ohio State Wisconsin, not very likely. Minnesota, kind of a 50-50 game. Um, so again, you'd like to see the Cats come out of this weekend with a win and uh, put themselves in a good position to uh, make a bowl game for the second straight year. Yeah, you brought up the bowl game. Uh, there was a recently released uh, Sports Illustrated predictions, bowl predictions article I think that came out this morning or either yesterday, uh, but uh, Tim showed it to me. One of our other football writers showed it to me this morning, and it currently has Northwestern projected for the Pinstripe Bowl against Miami. Interesting. In uh, in the heart of It'll New York City. Yeah. So that's an interesting bowl projection because that probably puts the Wildcats at getting six or seven wins. Usually, is the type of team that ends up in the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, of course, we do have to consider the possibility that you know, with the proliferation of bowls, if Northwestern finishes five and seven. Uh, because their football team APR is so high, uh, chances are they'd be one of the first five and seven teams um, off the bench uh, to get into a bowl. So kind of backing into a bowl game, I don't think the team wants to see that. Hopefully they can actually get to six wins and tie it up nicely. Um, pinstripe Bowl, I think, from this point in the season would be a pretty good outcome for them. Yeah, I mean, that would be, given how things started this year and how they started 0-2, lost to Illinois State, um, and then 1-3 and and after losing to Nebraska, um, I mean, you could have seen this thing go off the rails, but they've really turned things around. Now that like, we're even considering bowl possibilities is a big step up from where things were a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I think the pinstrip bowl would be a lot of fun to go to as a fan and then to cover as a, as like a student journalist because like, I, I'm from the New York City area, and uh, Yankee Stadium is one of the nicest stadiums in sports. It's basically... Um, the old Yankees owner basically telling everyone, I'm really, really rich, and I want <laughs> you to know it. Um, but yeah, Yankee Stadium is like its own town. Um, and last year, I think, you mentioned the 5-7, and seven, I think last year it was 6-6 um, six and six Duke against 5-7 and seven Indiana. I believe Indiana also got to six wins last year. I think Indiana was in it, but I don't think they were 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Okay. I, but I know, I know one of the 5-7 and seven teams last year that stuck in was Nebraska. Yeah. Um, so again... Assuming there aren't enough six and six teams, and Northwestern is five and seven, I think they are going to be the first team off that deck. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Um, the coaches would probably like to see Northwestern get to seven or eight wins. Um, uh, that's a kind of an optimistic take at this point, um, where they win all of the rest of their games except Ohio State, and they finish eight and four. Um, of course, they probably think they could beat Ohio State. Um, <laughs> Just trying, to, just trying to go one and zero each week. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta believe, but you never know. Yeah, they put uh, up fifty four on Ohio State. Anything's possible. <laughs> Their defense is so good. Um, yeah, that's about all we have for Cats Corner. Um, make sure you follow us uh, at the Daily and You on Twitter and on Facebook for all of our football coverage for the second half of this season. 
And be sure to check out DailyNorthwestern.com and SportsBlog.DailyNorthwestern.com for all of these sports and football coverage you want. For Max Schumann and Bobby Plotty, I'm Max Gelman. Thank you so much for listening.